As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Joseph Clough and this is episode 779. Now we're going to keep it nice and easy today because this is being broadcasted live on YouTube and we thought we'd have a nice little Q&A. So some of these questions will be really relative to you or relatable to you. Some might not, but here's the thing. Questions will create other questions within you. And I love questions. I always say the only bad question is the one which was never asked. So remember, when someone gives you a question, it leads you to question other things or consider things in a whole new way. So that is exactly what we're going to do. We have some questions lined up. And um, we've got about, I don't know, about 24 now, I think. or No, about 20 or so. And... That is what we'll get into right now. So the first question we have is, why do some people find it's easier than others to be hypnotized? Well, everyone is totally unique in every single way. Like some people uh, can like take to riding a bike very quickly, some are a little bit less. So all trance is learning how to go into trance. And the other aspect of hypnosis is really about the expectation of the hypnosis. You see, most people think that they're going to be out for the count, that they're going to just wake up and go, ah, I am a chicken, or I am no longer X, Y, Z, and I'm now this, where really it's an altered state of awareness, a learning state. And the more times you do it, the quicker and easier it is to do. So if you're just starting out listening to my hypnosis tracks, the lesson here within that question is persistence in learning to let go. Sometimes you've got to get out your own way. And that is another thing about hypnosis. We think that it's dangerous at times. We've seen the stage hypnotists do their thing. But in reality, when you think of stage hypnosis, to put you at ease, there are two types of people who go to a stage hypnotist show. Those who want to see people be hypnotized and those who want to be hypnotized up on stage. So there's a willingness here. Now, some people have hesitation about hypnosis, so therefore they become less compliant. So I want you to realize that hypnosis is safe, right? With the right person, of course. But 
when you realize that it's safe and it is just a learning state and the more you do it, you get better at it, you'll go into trance quicker. But the one of the reasons as to why people don't always go into trance as quick compared to others is simply because maybe their own reservations or their own expectations so you can get in their own way okay so that is the first question that we're going to go into and that's going to be really helpful by the way because now you know if you keep on listening to hypnosis or finding a competent hypnotist or hypnotherapist who you trust because that could be another one as well who you resonate with you want to make sure that actually, hey, it's just a learning state. And the more I do it, the better I get. And therefore, it becomes easier to be hypnotized. So we've got another question here. I have fears around sharing my feelings and the needs with other people. What can I do to overcome those fears? I just feel the need for sharing and expressing, but I have a huge fear of around the sharing. So when it comes to this question, it's a very, very good question, like all the questions. But ultimately, we feel fear about sharing because we don't want to be hurt. Let's just take this question and expand it to other things. Fear is trying to protect us. And therefore, if we're sharing a part of ourselves, like an opinion or our feelings around people, we may not feel comfortable in who we're sharing it with. Whether it be logically okay, like we could have the most loving partner who we want to share, and we know in our mind that that partner is going to treat us in a non-judgmental way. But inside of ourselves, we are judging, here's the real thing, we are judging other people's opinions before they've been formulated to be true or not. So therefore, we make a judgment that they may ridicule or they may not agree or we may um, feel like we may get judged in some way and it causes us to stay stuck. So one of the little tips I would start to do and just thinking about it in my mind, I would first start exploring the ability to get your thoughts and opinions and feelings in a small way. Get it on paper first. And the reason why I say that metaphorically, we're getting it out of our system. Rather it's staying on the inside, we're expressing, so it could be journaling. And then, in my opinion, you've got to ask yourself, who is going to be the most beneficial Who's going to receive my concerns or my questions or my feelings in the most wonderful way? In a way, because sometimes maybe in the past we've shared them and suddenly, oh my goodness, there's been consequences or you weren't seen, heard or felt, you were dismissed. So it's important to be able to choose the right kind of person or the right atmosphere in order to ask them. And it can still be scary. Don't get me wrong, it can be still scary. But I would be reaffirming to my unconscious mind and go, look, I'm willing to be vulnerable, which means I am strong. Like We think expressing our feelings is a moment of weakness, but being vulnerable is actually a strength in quality or a quality as a strength. So we got to like get into our mind that, look, that's okay. So start being vulnerable with yourself, expressing your thoughts on paper, and then start to find the people who you feel would be beneficial. 
And another simple thing is this, to start it off, when you have that person in your life, you say to them, look, I want to share something with you. And I'd like you to give me an objective or a non-judgment way. I just need to outlet something. So you're setting the parameters or the boundaries of how that feedback is going to come back to you. So you can set up those boundaries and parameters by simply saying, look, I really trust you as a person. I really want to share some thoughts and feelings I have about this certain situation I'm going through. And this is how I would like it to be if it's okay, because I'm just kind of working this out. Now, if they're a nice person, they will be the observer and be able to then kind of fulfill those boundaries. So that's what I'd start small and then trust the right person and then set the right parameters that will allow you to to, um, express it in a way that is comfortable. Hopefully that helps in a question right there. So we've got another question here. Can the pain or negative memories be stored in a body? I once went into trance during a massage and saw myself crying and I wondered if the masseuse released something from me because I did feel light, I did feel lighter. Okay, number one, that's not a common experience, but it's an experience that happens. There are many, many books on this. And we can just think about it objectively that you feel emotion. It is contained within you. That's why we get stress. We can have physical symptoms, right? So that is stored within us. Just like a memory is going to be charged with an emotion. Now that memory is within our system. And you can, like I said, go into maybe look look into the book like Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. That might be a good one if you want to go deeper into it. But there's lots of examples where people have had some kind of physical touch or pressure and it evokes an emotional state. So absolutely, physical touch or pressure can evoke that. It can start to release it. So our body and um, our mind is stored without or throughout our whole system. That is why we get like a pain in the back or... Um, you're a pain in the neck, all those types of things. These are metaphors, but also within us, a con- we are the container of that emotion. And that is why when you release the emotion, you feel energetically lighter. If we think of, if we go to a bit of a different subject here, if we think of, say, depression, if you summarize or characterize or uh, typically, stereotypically, how a depressed depressed person would be, what would they look like? What's their physiology like? It's going to be like sunken down. It's going to be looking down. It's going to feel heavy. And every time I speak to people, they say, look, there's a heavy feeling of this imposter syndrome. And then I ask them certain questions to flip it around. And they suddenly say, I feel free. I feel liberated. So we know that emotion is heavy or light. It vibrates at a certain level, in my opinion, like more dense to a higher vibration. So I would absolutely say, yes, in my opinion, I'm no medical doctor, the pain, negative emotions are stored in the body. Can people be hypnotized to do things they wouldn't want to do? Now, there's another good question about hypnosis in case you're a little bit fearful about hypnosis.
if we take once again objectively what are we working with in hypnosis well it's not the conscious mind we're trying to bypass the conscious mind so therefore we're trying to work with the unconscious mind because if you could let go of the issue you would let go of the issue if you cannot it must mean it is stored within you now one of the prime directives you could say of the unconscious mind other than things like fight and flight response the beliefs and emotions and the repression and the releasing the biology all of that stuff one of the other ones are it runs by values the values that you were taught growing up so this is where it gets interesting if i said to you in trance to rob a bank okay if that goes against your values you will deny that suggestion because it is important to you You have a high value that no that's doing a bad deed that's not a good thing now of course if you were a robber of banks you'd probably go yeah i do that all the time i've got no issues with that i've been born that way or not born that way but like um accustomed to be that way so if that is true which it is depending on the quality of your values will allow you to um, cause you to act and act certain things out. Now, there's going to be a follow-up question with someone else, which is, what is the difference between hypnotizing someone and brainwashing? Can hypnosis be used to brainwash? So we're going to combine those two questions from two different people. If we think of what brainwashing is, brainwashing is about consistency. And I've read a lot about cults, for example. And I've done, I really love documentaries on cults and usually the person has to be in a vulnerable state of mind right they feel broken or they've gone through a lot of abuse and therefore they're seeking help in some way and then someone comes along who says i have the answers uh, and it could we could span it out to ever, lots of different kind of things we can even span it out to say narcissists and people who feel very vulnerable as a person not good enough well suddenly they are hypnotized by this narcissist or cult or this person because they feel like they're missing something and they want it so that is really what is a level of conditioning it takes time though right it takes time to be conditioned but it'll be based on your value system that's the key here and that's why i believe hypnosis is absolutely safe and you won't be made to do things you don't want to do because it has that prime directive of running by your values you think about it it's hard to change your values just like it's hard to change your belief it's important to you and it's stored at an unconscious level but the difference between hypnotizing someone and brainwashing is this take the brainwashing is a do to experience right that's that hypnosis in my opinion my opinion is a do with process it's a cooperative flow of energy and intention to a desired outcome so if i'm just doing to hypnosis is like you will do this and you will do that it's not very it's not that good you want to have that cooperative flow of energy and that is the difference between hypnosis the intention behind it from one or more parties and that's what i'd really go for and 
With that, let's go for another question. How many sessions of hypnosis to overcome fear, anxiety, worriness? Um, does it take, how long does it take to see real life changes? Well, depends. It depends on a couple of things. If we take that past example, I love how this falling together. It's a cooperative flow of energy, right? Between the hypnotee and the hypnotist in this case. Now, if you are unwilling to want to let go of anxiety, and you go, why would you do that? Well, there's something called secondary gains. We get gains from the problems that we have. So although anxiety, the positive gain there could be that it's trying to think of all the ways of what could happen in case something happens to protect you, your unconscious mind's going to run by that all the time. If you don't provide, or the hypnotist or hypnotherapist or solution maker doesn't provide the unconscious mind a safer solution to the original problem, it's going to stay the same. So that means it comes down to the quality of the hypnotist or the approach or the technique, but also the willingness of the hypnotist. You may be, if you're being forced to go to a hypnotist session, you might not change. Once again, you've got to have that will and desire. You've got to assume responsibility. You've got to really want it, in other words. But if you really want it, and that hypnotist is really, really good, and it comes from different angles, maybe. Like in my program, our goal and job is to let go of the anxiety, but we go deeper than that within the eight-week period. That's what I really, really aim for. Now, the other thing is, and here's what I'm going to say to this question right here, and this might annoy, maybe not annoy him, but go against some values, but it may be an epiphany. Usually fear and worry is not the issue. It's not the issue. It's the symptom. This is where I will kind of throw some rocks at, not physical rocks at hypnotherapists. That's not good at all. So I'll take that back. But metaphorically, is because they work on the symptom. I do not work on the symptoms. So if you were to work with a hypnotherapist on just your symptoms, you are going to probably stay for a long time. It might go for a while and then come back. You want to find someone who works on the root cause. So it's a very hard question of how many sessions it takes or how much time it takes, but it can be done very quickly compared to how long you've had it for if you find a good, competent hypnotherapist, hypnotist, coach, practitioner, group, whatever it may be. Um, what hypnosis, um, What? because this was a bit of a follow question, what, in other words, what can't be helped with hypnosis? I think everything can be helped with hypnosis, I think. I can't think of many examples which is not going to be valuable tool, even if it's to alleviate some things even like, for example, and I'm no medical doctor once again, but hypnosis has been used to help recovery in lots of studies when it comes to physical illness or the restoration. So I really think it can be used for lots of good things. But once again, it depends on intention and outcome, okay? And what people should be looking for when they consider a hypnotherapist, main thing is for me is to know if they're Know their intention, as in get connected with them. Make sure they've studied at the right places. But mainly it's about finding rapport, okay? You've got to feel like the person understands you. And I really believe that. Like if I, 
on the flip side, when I work with people, when we, when we like kind of choose to work with them in that program, I genuinely, genuinely like them. I really, really like everyone who goes into my program. Otherwise, I wouldn't work with them. I will send them elsewhere. So I would want to find someone who is so passionate about overcoming your issue that you're almost like, wow, that person's more passionate than me. Because sometimes we need that extra belief. But if I were to look for people uh, as a therapist, I'd be looking for that passion and purpose, even beyond sometimes qualification, in my opinion. Like you need qualification, but if that person is not that enjoying it, passionate about it, then that's going to be communicated to the hypnotist in that case. What is the biggest difference between the UK and US clients when it comes to hypnosis and hypnotherapy? To be honest, I don't see a huge difference. I don't really see a difference at all in that regards. I think the societies are pretty similar. I think maybe America originally was more taken to self-development in the beginning, but I would say they're pretty similar. Um, I've got some hypnosis questions about business side of things, so we'll get to the other ones as well. Why are niches so important with a hypnotherapist? And we can do this for business as well. If you think about this as a business question in general weird analogy you go into a big shopping center or a mall in america and you just got on top of the tables and you said i am a hypnotherapist i let go of anxiety worry fear i let go of um, presentation skills i let go of smoking i let go of weight issues i let go of like before you know it no one's listening to you. Like some people go, oh, no, 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 that, that's not me. Or that was me, oh, but that's not me. So that means it's very hard to communicate as a mass level in that analogy. But if you said, look, get on that table again and you go, look, I am a hypnotherapist and I let go of the imposter syndrome all within eight weeks for an undeniable experience of deep self-certainty and confidence, suddenly you are speaking to the person who really needs to hear it. You are hitting all the buttons there. You are being so precise that it allows that person to look up and go, oh, there's a person on top of a a table right there saying about that stuff. But as an analogy, that is why being a niche is so, so important. Um, Oh, I've done that one. Uh, We'll get back to some other hypnosis ones soon. Um, Do-do-do-do. What do I think is the biggest problem people are going through right now? I think right now there's a lot of fear and divide, uh, divide, dividedness right now. I think we feel very separated from people, whether it be the last few years or where it be politically or whether it be fill in the blank. I think we've become very separated, where it be on social media. There's a lot of separation at the moment. And you can turn it around, of course, but I think separation is creating a lot of fear and anxiety and worry about ourselves. I'll say that's probably one of the biggest things right now because then we start to feel alone and we start to then reaffirm the ideas that maybe I'm not enough or worthy. But on top of that, I would probably say one of the biggest things in life in general is 
mindsets and beliefs of not having worth. That is probably the biggest thing that creates the most issues. Because once again, there's higher expectations, there's society, there's fear, there's worry and doubt, and it causes us to feel that separation, but also to doubt our own belief. And that's where like things like the imposter syndrome, panic attacks, anxiety, not going for that promotion, it's the limiting belief behind ourselves. I think that's probably one of the biggest things in terms of um, what society is going through. And that's why I'm so passionate about that as well. We've also got a question here which came in earlier. How can I make peace with all the traumas from a childhood to middle age? Well, a lot of grace to that part of you. I was having a conversation today that it's important to remember at the time of that experience, let's say in this example or question, you were young and you weren't able to process that well at all. Even as an adult going through significant events, we weren't able to process that experience maybe. It happens to this day, right? But especially when we were young, we did not have the ability. So we made decisions which formulated into beliefs about ourselves and the world around us. And it caused us to have emotions tied to those negative memories, right? So the way, in my opinion, to release the past and see a different way is to get the unconscious mind to learn. Emotions such as anger, sadness, fear, guilt, heart, frustration, jealousy, shame, all of those things... I don't know if I said guilt, but if not, we get it twice. All have positive intentions. That memory is charged with them to try to protect us in some way for the future. So we've got to get the unconscious mind to realize that those emotions or the decisions which were made back then were limiting and that we can learn and grow from them. That's what I'll be doing. Like Even within my program, we go through a lot of that, of evolving that part, evolving, sorry, that part of us unconsciously because metaphorically it's stuck. I'm not talking about necessarily inner child here. I'm just talking about we made decisions when we were young about ourselves and the world and how we experienced that situation. So we need to undo the decision by getting the unconscious mind to learn what it's needed to learn, which will keep you safer in the future. That's why we use hypnosis. That is why uh, people go on to like my program or see other people. It's about providing learnings and growth at an unconscious level. When you learn, there is no need to have the emotion of anger. There's When you learn to let go of that limiting decision or belief, you don't have to feel shame anymore. You don't have to have anger toward the past. So it starts, starts with taking responsibility for this present moment and taking ownership that you're in charge of your mind and your body and then doing the work and getting the learnings that are needed at an unconscious level. That's what I would say right there. Um, got a question right here just about general if you're a hypnotist what type of deepeners work best for you if your clients over zoom honestly all deepeners work in my opinion it's whatever feels good the person with the most conviction in any conversation carries through the suggestion so when you just have and this I'm broadening this out for everyone you've got to be a good communicator 
with deep self certainty, if you want to be able to go into a conversation, not necessarily to win, but to be able to to communicate effectively, you've got to have conviction. So in any form of style of going into trance or deepener, it doesn't really matter. It's about the intention and the the commitment and the decisiveness behind your words. As we broaden this out, 93% of all communication is unconscious. 7% is the words that we say. So about our tonality and our physiology, which will resonate with the person. So it's less, in other words, for everyone, if you're a hypnotist, it's less about technique. It's about the intention. Remember the original thing about seeing a client or, a, or choosing a practitioner? It's that cooperative flow of energy. Right? You've got to feel rapport with that. You've got to think about the intention. If that person trusts you, they'll go into a trance no matter what. If you, um, um, they might not always feel like it's trance because they have expectations, but ultimately you want to be able to communicate in a, in a way that just causes them to go into trance. So that is what I would go for there. Now, we've got one for breaking the sugar addiction. I would say on that one, we've got to make sure, is there anything behind it? Like, is there a root cause that needs to be solved first? We put our energy into that. And the reason I say that is, number one, we can get change of state. Sugar rush changes our emotional state, or we do that to change... um, yeah, like our emotional escapism. Let's just say something like that, an addiction as well in general. But it can also be habitual. Now, in my program, I'm speaking to you directly, doing things like the swish pattern and things like that is going to make a big interruption. But if I generalize this to other people as well, we got to just think about it as a strategy. Every time you see it, when you have that thought, you've got to interrupt the pattern somehow, some way. And it can take time when it comes to addiction. And it's not always good, let's just span this out once again, to just do a, a cold turkey stop. For some people, it can just have that epiphany and that's it. I'm no longer going to be a smoker. I'm no longer going to do X, Y, Z. Sometimes that can happen. Other times you may want to decrease because it is a biological reaction. We've become accustomed to that thing, whatever that may be. Your body, where it be like caffeine, has an your body has an expectation that this happens. So decreasing while interrupting the pattern and the strategy, and if there's a root cause behind it as well, to be conscious of that, is going to make a real big dent in that addiction. But just remember, yes, there's something behind it sometimes, but be gentle that it is a strategy where you are interacting with yourself and the external world. And if you can interrupt that pattern, that is where you'll start to make some wonderful changes. Okay, what a question here. Have I had people that can't be hypnotized, that resist it? Anyone can be hypnotized on two conditions. I really mean this. Once again, it's about the expectation of hypnosis. That can be in a bit of a way. If you have the ability to follow instructions, you will be going into a trance. 
That's all hypnosis is, the ability to follow instructions. The other thing is intention. Do I want to go into trance? They're the two main things. Let's just say if you're working with a child, um, say you're a hypnotist or or you've got a child and you want them to change because they've got issues and stuff. Well, that child's got to be willing to listen, right? And that can be pretty tricky depending on the age they are. But they've got to have the desire to do it and have the ability to follow instructions. If you can't follow instructions and you're not willing intentionally, that will be the only two reasons as to why you wouldn't go into the program. Is there hypnosis to become a better communicator? If you type in, I believe, communication, Joseph Clough, hypnosis, I think I've got one. If not, I can put it on the list. But I think I've got one. I actually did a whole podcast episode on it. I know I did. It's like how to communicate with anyone. Is there a hypnosis session to give oneself permission for whatever, forgiveness, let go? Honestly, I'd be looking more at the root cause. Like, is there a decision or belief about ourselves which creates that? That's what I would go. Because what's, say, forgiveness, a lack of, let's go lack of forgiveness is an emotional state. And I think emotions need to be released by giving ourselves permission on a deeper level about ourselves. So there are like, I've got a forgiveness hypnosis session, by the way, but I'm just thinking as well, just make sure that you're working on the root cause. How do I join your coaching programs? Depends which one. So I got the one which is letting go of the imposter syndrome. But also, if you're on about certification, we got one coming up at csnlph.com. That's a URL of ours, which gives you. Is imposter syndrome and performance anxiety the same or different? I would say it comes from a similar place, which means it could be it, but also could be separated slightly but i'm i'm gonna kind of say yeah they're the same thing because imposter syndrome is like what if i get found out performance anxieties am i going to be able to deliver and i think behind that will become more of the root cause so i think i think it's a branch off the same tree that's what i would probably say is the past life thing legit field of hypnotherapy well, it depends on what you mean by legit, right? So I'm going to give you two definitions of past life regression. And I may upset both sides of a table here. And that's okay because we're all open-minded, wonderful beings. We don't have to get upset. Right. Hypnosis and past life regression. Past life regression is true one side of the argument or opinion. Now, even if you don't believe it, there are studies out there where, say, children give off information about a past life, about a certain thing that they went through way back when, and it baffles the person. Like they do research into it, even to the point where I've read some books before where like some bath mark the kid would go, well, that's where I got shot in an arrow kind of thing. It's like, what do you mean? That makes no sense. And they grill off information location. 
But of course, they miss out a lot of information as well, where it be in regression or these studies that they've done. So it can't be a fact that reincarnation exists, although it has been in lots of religious texts over the years. But that is one side of the equation, and I'm happy with that one. I don't mind that. I like to live and get another life. I'm happy with this one. But yeah, I, I can I can buy into that. But here's the other side of the equation. The past life regression does not exist. And you're like, what? What do you mean? Well, here's why. So I'm going to give you why they both exist. I've done one. Here's the other one. Past life regression doesn't exist. But the place where they go in the past, treat it like a metaphor. What do I mean by that? Well, maybe the unconscious mind doesn't feel like giving you the real issue or the real event. Maybe it was traumatic or maybe it was so small that you wouldn't get the right learning or epiphany from. So instead, it knows that we like stories. We like movies. We like it. The unconscious mind operates in symbols, right? As a, as a way of being. So it provides you this metaphor, past life. That if you consider this story or this metaphor of this past life compared to the traumatic event or the nothing event, which we can't get much learnings from, that that's where it existed, it'll give you a story, a metaphor to learn from. That is what past life is. So you choose whichever one you want. I really don't mind. I have my own opinions on it. But either way, it still means it can work. So that kind of makes sense. So I'm not putting hate on either side. I have my own beliefs on it and I've done lots of reading and things like that. But that's two explanations of what past lives are. A metaphor, which is easier to learn from than the real experience based on trauma or nothingness. Or it's true and that would be why. What would you say the root of most issues are anxiety and trauma? What, what would you say the root... I, so I always go back to identity. It's how we identify ourselves in the world, which creates anxiety. And then the trauma was the decision of the belief. So the trauma caused me to have a belief about myself. I think there's been a passed down inherited cause of problem studies have shown in animals that you can train one generator some kind of trauma and reward the offspring will automatically know. Yeah, there is biology, which would be like a bit of a middle answer. But it doesn't really go into met, um, past life. But we are genetics. We are replications of two other people. But genes are passed down. It's information. It's technology in a way, right? Sounds a bit weird, technology. It's a duplication. And that passes down. And then like, if we can go deeper into it, it could be if our body has... Going back to actually MZ's point about trapped in the body emotion... Well, if we have a lot of trapped body emotion and when we create someone else, does some of that energy or that blueprint, I'm not saying this is true, I'm just saying putting it out there, can that be passed down? Because we know biology-wise that they say depression can follow in the family. But the good news is this, it doesn't mean it has to be activated, right? It doesn't have to be activated. Some people will have a disease, pass it down, but not always is it activated biologically. And the exact same thing can happen. We can turn things on and turn things on, in my opinion, but I'm no doctor.
I like to think the kids are really talking about past life. Yeah, well, I'm, I honestly try to see things from all angles. Like I want, like, here's the best way to, in general, to get out of conflict, understand the person's viewpoints. That's all you do. Usually we're quick to judge someone who disagrees with us. That's why we feel separated. But if you spend as much time as learning and researching about the other person's opinion or how they came to that view of the reality, if you put much time into that, you're going to learn something and know they're not quite so different from you, right? And therefore, you're going to be able to speak with them in a different way without resentment or anger or stress or whatever it may be. So in the exact same way, the more, as that's as an analogy, in the exact same way, if we can try to understand the different viewpoints of the world, different intentions, model of the world, we can gain a greater perspective to then um, make better decisions about how we see the world. And then you can choose what you want. But it's hard to choose without all the evidence. And that's why I think the separation, or that's why I think um we we can be closed-minded sometimes i hope you enjoyed some of these questions that we had today and if you have enough questions join our live stream i'm always happy to answer them even after the live stream experience and of course if you ever need my help you can go to josephclough.info slash talk and that way you and not only if you're like really committed and decisive and you want a fully customized experience custom hypnosis we plug you into a powerful group of people to get you to where you want to be go ahead to josephclough.info slash talk and you'll fill out an application form you'll book a time and on that one-to-one call we'll get clear on exactly what you're going through exactly what you want to let go of what's getting in the way figuring out the outcome and if we can solve it fully and completely then we'll absolutely show you how we'll do that within our system if you're a good fit So with that, my friends, I look forward to speaking to you in a future episode. And of course, if you're listening to this on the Apple podcast, I greatly appreciate a review. It just means we help more people in the world. They'll hear or see your words and go, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. Once again, hypnosis can be a little bit scary for others, but we need to be able to let go of that and really get them to understand there's another way of being. And you can help with that by leaving or a nice little review on the app store or the podcast error itself on your phone. So with that, I look forward to speaking to you very, very soon. Many thanks and goodbye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 